0: Welcome to the She Yearns Podcast. I'm Terry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Welcome to the podcast. I... I'm excited to be here with you today. I wanted to not do a podcast this week because it was the Holy Week. It's the week we observe Easter. But I had some things that were on my mind that I just couldn't put off. And they really were germinating within me because it's where I began. I began writing in my backyard when I was still a wallflower and I hadn't told anybody except my spouse that I had thought that maybe the Lord might want me to write, but I had not a clue what to write about and I really didn't have the foundations within me to have anything worthwhile to say. So, I spent nine years researching, reading, sort of getting my own education from uh, the libraries, I didn't take courses because I already had a PhD and I knew how to study. I knew how to use a library. So I just checked out about a hundred books on theology and uh, different aspects of that, really getting the foundations for what it is a person should believe and how could you defend those beliefs and all the workings in it. So one of the things that I looked at was What is the significance of the resurrection? I didn't realize that the whole crux of Christianity was built on the resurrection. If you lose the resurrection of Jesus, Christianity falls apart. It becomes another psychological account. Just it's equal to everything else. If you have the resurrection, everything changes. John MacArthur, I just found this quote recently, kind of sums it up like this the truth of the resurrection gives life to every other area. Of gospel truth. The resurrection is the pivot. On which all of Christianity turns. And without which. None of the other truths would much matter. That is so true. Without the resurrection. Christianity would be so much wishful thinking. Taking its place alongside. All other human philosophy and religious speculation. That's that's the truth. That is absolutely true. And so it just made me think about. All of those things that I looked at before. What is it that makes the resurrection believable. Why are we able to believe in the resurrection? And there really are a few strong points that cause it to be believable. And they're not just found within the Bible. We have historical accounts. I can't go into all of that today, but you need to be aware that it's not like you just have to believe the Bible and that is it. There are Uh, things that are in archaeology. There are things in other historical accounts that substantiate what is true in your beliefs. And that is very, very comforting. Although at the end of the day, it is belief. One of the areas that we can look at is the essence of what happened to Jesus. Because there's some theories that speak against The evidence for the resurrection based on what they say did and did not actually happen to Jesus. One of the things that happened to him was a traditional flogging. We have the evidence of this listed in three of the four gospels talks about it and it's not unusual because he was turned over to the Roman authorities who were then going to crucify him. Well, flogging was a traditional part of that process. It's just what they did in the day, but we have this evidence in Scripture from John 19, Mark 15, and Matthew 27. So we know that that happened to him. And a lot of times, the Jews limited it to a certain number of lashes. The Romans did not. So when it tells us that the body of Jesus was unrecognizable as a man, well, part of that is the flogging because they, they weren't limited. On what they had to do. Another element that we know happened was the beatings. So after they finished that, they then turned him over to a whole battalion. A whole battalion. We have that from Mark fifteen. A battalion of Roman soldiers is about six hundred, and that's where they were beating him, mocking him, putting on the crown of thorns, that kind of thing, until they were finished with him that is a lot of soldiers that is a lot of beating that is a lot of abuse then they took him over to crucify him and we know that that occurred from matthew 27 and john 19 and then after he was crucified which is where he died on the cross to make sure that they didn't need to break his legs to speed up the process in john 19 they stabbed him so he's been stabbed he's been beaten he's been flogged he's been crucified all of these things have happened to him. Now, what some of the naysayers came back to say about Jesus to disprove that he actually came back to life in the flesh is that he really didn't die. He really he really didn't die. He just swooned. So there's something called the swoon theory. And that's why people actually saw him afterwards. But you can't go through all of that and not Die. That theory is not going to work. That's one of the things I wanted to point out. That's just way too much human suffering, and the evidence is just there. Another thing that I thought was very interesting is that the women were the ones that are reported to find him. All four gospels report that this is done. Now, some people get caught up that it's not the same listing, but I don't get too caught up in it because. All four of them talk about the women, and this is a really big deal because women had no rights whatsoever, and if you are trying to build a case for a following, this is someone we need to follow. This is something you need to listen to. This is a big deal. You are not going to base your whole life and message and ministry on the report of people who are not even allowed to give any kind of judgment in court. I mean, their opinions did not matter whatsoever at all. Here they are making sure that everybody knows they're the ones that we're relying on in the first place. That's not how you would probably want the history books written, but that's what they did. They allowed this to happen, which tells us that this is what happened. One thing that William Lane Craig has said in this area, he's a very strong authority in this area, he said, The discovery of the tomb by women is highly probable, given the low status of women in Jewish society and their lack of qualification to serve as legal witnesses is the most probable explanation. Why women and not the male disciples were made discoverers of the empty tomb is that women were in fact the ones who made the discovery. Another thought about the women, they were there to make the discovery that Jesus is no longer there. The other part that is so fascinating is that another theory indicates that, well, maybe they were just so clueless they went to the wrong tomb, that they didn't even know which tomb it was. But Luke tells us in chapter 23 that they saw Joseph go get the tomb, ready, get the body, take it to the tomb, and they noted where the body was laid. So that theory is not going to work either. So we know that that's not going to stand up over time. Another thing that I think is so interesting that makes the resurrection believable is the appearances. There. are are so many appearances after this happens so easter the day these women go to the tomb they're the first ones we know that from john's account and about chapter 20 mary magdalene shows up and jesus meets her and it's the one where he's like don't hold on to me the other women from the matthew account other women are with her so We only have it from John that she's there, Matthew, the other women are there, because then they go tell the disciples. So, he's appeared to them. Then, somewhere along the day, you know, they go tell him, the disciples don't believe him. Peter leaves and goes and looks in the tomb. He sees the tomb empty. He stoops down. He sees the tomb empty, and the wrapping of the body kind of wrapped up, and then he Leaves and he's marveling about these things, but he doesn't see anybody there, he doesn't have the same encounter. That's what we know about Peter. But what we find from Luke 24 later on is that after the guys come back from the road to Emmaus, which happens in the same chapter, there's guys on the road to Emmaus, and they're just kind of upset, and they happen upon this guy that says, what's been going on, and they say, how could you not know, and they have this encounter, and it ends up being Jesus, and they're like, hot tailing it to the city, and saying, oh my goodness, we just saw Jesus, and they're saying to them, when they get here, you're never, the disciples, you're never going to believe this, but Peter just saw him too, and you might miss that, so uh, not only did the women see him, but Peter had an encounter, too, that we don't have the details of, but sometime along the way, verse 34 tells us Peter also had an encounter. Then we know that later on that same night, the disciples encounter him together, except for Thomas, and he appears to them, and they are just in such disbelief, even though all of this stuff has been happening, he says, do you have anything to eat? so they give him a piece of fish now why in the world would they give him something to eat why would he ask for that well that way people can't say oh it was his ghost it was a ghost it was just a spirit you didn't really see him ghosts and spirits they don't eat they don't have a body they can't digest food real people digest food spirits do not have physical bodies who are able to do that that's why he asked for the food that way Nobody can make that up. That actually has to occur. Then later on, all of them, all of the disciples, the next week we have from John 20, all of them are there. Thomas is back. He sees him. He touches him. He believes. All of that's there. Another time, 500 people at the same time see Jesus encounter him. He appears to 500 at the same time. Now, why is it important that Paul has let us know this in the New Testament? Well, because... Some people would say, well, that's just a hallucination. You're just hallucinating that you're seeing what you want to see. Well, 500 people can't have the same vision at the same time in the same place. It's not possible. It's not humanly possible. And so that is why (laughs) that, that happened that way. And we have the account of it. Also from 1 Corinthians, a lot of this is coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul kind of gives us a list of all these appearances, just kind of a bullet list. James, his brother, and some of his other family members who did not believe, it says, and then he appeared to James, which has become so sweet to me. And then it just totally changes his life. And then we have... In John 21, the sit down with Peter on the shore where he has that encounter. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That sort of thing. Then there's another part where there's about 72 apostles. And then uh, in Matthew 28, you've got that Great Commission appearance. Then the ascension from Acts 1. But we don't even know how many people were there. We know it happened, but there's no account of how many people saw that occur. This is just Amazing, And then you have Paul's encounter where he's blinded and Jesus says to him, why are you persecuting me? That kind of thing. That's at least 13 different appearances to hundreds of different kinds of people. That is a lot of proof right there. But the last thing is these regular guys were willing to give their lives up for this man. Church tradition, we don't have accounts in the Bible of what happened to most of the disciples. But we do have church tradition that tells us what is believed to have happened. And all of them but one is believed to have been martyred for their faith in what was believable. And what they were willing to give their entire lives for. And that gives evidence to Christianity as a whole and the reality of the resurrection. They would not have given their lives for something that was a philosophy or a psychological thought. But they would give their lives for a resurrected Savior they had walked with. They would do that because otherwise they would have just gone fishing. Or gone back to their regular lives. They, they had regular lives to go back to. But they didn't. They continued on. And they died for it. That is what makes it undeniably believable. So I want to tell you what happened to each one of these. That church tradition uh, lets us know about. And then the one that they could not kill. James was stabbed. Thaddeus was shot with a lot of arrows. Philip was crucified. Thomas was shot with spears. Peter was crucified upside down. Matthew was stabbed with swords. sword. Simon was crucified. Bartholomew was flayed and beheaded. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross. Matthias, who replaced Judas, was crucified. Uh, these are the ones I could find out about. And then the story goes that John John was supposed to be Put into the Colosseum. He was going to be set inside a pot that was on fire with boiling hot oil. And they were going to watch him be boiled to death. Well, so they they took him in. They put him in the boiling hot water. And they expected to have this horrible show. Uh, The soldiers put him in there. And he wouldn't wouldn't die. (laughs) So they finally out of frustration took him out. They sent him to Patmos. Which is where he got the revelation from uh, the Lord. Why am I sharing this with you? Well, number one, before I spent that time in the backyard studying and reading and thinking about this, I hadn't thought about it at all. I had been a Christian for a long time celebrating lots of Easter Sundays and weekends. I just had never thought about the powerful nature of what the resurrection means and what Christianity would be without it it would it would not be anything and how important it was and how believable it is with what I hold in my hand in the Bible. It's so powerful, even more so once I realize what evidence there is for Jesus and what he's done for us in the resurrection. It's just amazing. it's absolutely transformative. Lee Strobel was an atheist reporter who set out to prove that Christianity was a farce. In the process years ago, investigating the religious aspects and the resurrection and all of these kind of things, it impacted him so greatly he became a believer. His testimony is so amazing, but it has such truth in it. This is one of the things that he says about that transformation. He says, In short, I didn't become a Christian because God promised I would have an even happier life than I had as an atheist. He never promised any such thing. Indeed, following him would inevitably bring divine demotions in the eyes of the world. Rather, I became a Christian because the evidence was so compelling that Jesus really is the one and only Son of God who proved his divinity. By rising from the dead, that meant following him was the most rational and logical step I could possibly take. That is it. That's absolutely it. And that's what I found in my backyard. The evidence is so compelling. It is absolutely belief. But what is so unquestionable is the compelling nature of it. He is the Son of God. The evidence is so compelling. It stirs me. It stirs me in the other aspects of my life as I go out the door because I'm so convinced that He is real. As I'm convinced He is real, it impacts how I work in the kitchen and speak to my kids and their friends. It changes how I operate during the day and I just know that it can have that same effect in your life. So I hope you've had a great week. I pray that the evidences the gospel presents to you would penetrate your heart so that it would stir you as you go. And I'll see you next week. Thank you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber. And it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing a resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www. SheYearns.com, where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.